Welcome to Simple Theology, a podcast connecting theology to everyday life by examining various doctrines of the Christian faith. I'm Robert Kane. How do you know? I know. Okay. Okay. What's your name? Hey, I'm Robert Kane, and no, I am. No, it is uh, not. You are not Robert Kane. I'm Rick Gromlich, and this is Simple Theology. I already said that. No, this is Simple Theology. Okay, well, today we're talking about the Church of the New Covenant. We're going to get deep into the weeds of covenant theology, all these different covenants, how they relate to the church. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This intro is so bad. Anyway, hey, we appreciate you guys listening. We're going to talk about uh, Rob's take and how Rob argues against Dr. Greg Allison on all things. Gun there. I know. Um, I'm doing well, man. How are you doing? Huh? You're doing well. That's it. Just yeah, well. Do, I mean, I'm doing really well. I've got three donuts in me. I'm oh. on my third cup of coffee. <laughs> That's good. This is it's Life recording day. Life has been good. So we uh, splurged a little bit, mm. um, calorie and sugar wise, and we are on our third episode that we're recording. Yeah, it's been going good. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tweak things here and there. We've kind of flown by the seat of our pants, mm. as we said in the previous episode. Yes. Still not sure where that phrase came from. We, sh- we should have looked it we up. We should have looked it up. Darn it. Yep. So, yeah, I'm doing well. How are you doing? Good. You know, Rob, I'm doing well. Um, got three donuts in me and <laughs> my third cup of coffee. It's not your third cup of coffee. Yeah, it, it is. looks like it's your first. First one here, but... It is your third cup of coffee today, though. Uh, Yeah. Second or third. I've definitely had one or two at the house before yeah. I came over. Good for you, man. I know, right? It's a good day. Mm. So, anyway... Um, Rob, I wanted to ask you, mm-hmm. um, you recently, recently, it's somewhat relative, but you've, um, recently violated Levitical law and, um, just want to talk to you about that for a minute. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. So you, um, got a tattoo. Mm, I had a feeling that's where you were going. Yeah. Uh, worshiping, um, dead ancestors. Uh, uh let's talk about this, Rob. No. <laughs> you don't want to talk about it? I figured. It was, Conviction uh... time. <laughs> No ancestors involved. No reference to ancestors. No, but you got some, you new, wanna... some new ink on the old yeah, flesh. Yeah, it's not that new. I think we've already talked about it on the, on the podcast. No, I don't think so. Really? I don't think you had it last time. I definitely did in the, at least the two previous episodes. No. Since we, could, we recorded those today. Well, yeah, but I and mean I, like... I think, I think I got it. I don't, I don't remember the exact so date. If I, you've I think never, I got it in July. If you've never met Rob, he's got... Tattoos almost everywhere. Stop. Like he can finally part, find it's a part of true. his skin that doesn't have tattoos. <laughs> now, what do you get? What do you get, Rob? Tattoos. Um, pull that sleeve up. Pull the sleeve get up. Scandalous. I got John fifteen five, which says tattooed on my arm. It says I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever kind of sort of wants to come can exactly. if they want to. Yep, yep. The one who remains me and I and him bears much fruit, and you can do nothing without me. So that's a pretty big, big bold statement for you to say there, Rob. Hey, just so you guys know, you can do nothing without me. That's the only part <laughs> I is, saw on that. That is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. That's only really that's valuing all, myself, yeah. valuating that's, myself pretty highly. There you go. No, but we're excited JK. for you. Good. What's your next? You're tat? excited for me. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate What's that. What's next? The next I, big uh, ink? I don't know. I kind of want to get the doxology. 
Seriously. Praise uh, God back. from whom all blessings flow. Uh, no, on my arm. My, I basically just want to get like a three-quarter sleeve on my arm. Yeah, and just get it on your back. Like the whole, like, get a good, like, just do like a covenant, like a confession. Do like the New Hampshire on your right and the Cincinnati on your left leg. Like yeah, all of your idea. leg could be like a confession. Like, wait. Article seven. I think that's my right calf. Let me yeah, let, let me, me pull up my 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 khakis real quick. <laughs> <laughs> like pleated khakis with white sneakers, and you have the like, confessions tattooed on you. <laughs> uh, oh, anyway, um, yeah, we are back. We're recording another episode. Neville has is behaving himself, and Rob and I are excited. Um, I think last last episode we wrapped up the whole friends evangelical yeah, we did. casting. The one person we didn't finish. Was um, not the Phoebe, the other blonde in Friends, Rachel. Okay, yeah, sure. I thought we said Beth Moore for her, Karen Swallow Pryor for no. Phoebe, and then Jen Wilkin for Monica. Well, you said Beth Moore, but I think Beth Moore's like, with all respect to Beth Moore, <laughs> she's not a young like that's a that's a hard mm. comparison. I see, I see. But maybe, but I don't know how old these other ladies are too, so maybe it's the I don't same. Know. I don't know. But this Rachel, she seems like a young kind of. Never quite figures her life out. Is that right? I think. I mean, people who are more vested in friends would probably be able to answer yeah. that. I've gone through friends. Danielle has gone through friends a few times. We she, should get Danielle on and ask yeah, her she opinion. Yeah, she would really have a good good take um, on that. So anyway, I, I did a little bit of research, couldn't find an equivalent, so we'll just leave that for the time being. Okay. But having said that, let's jump so back So you, you brought in. this up to say that we're not done. Correct. Okay. A little teaser. But you action. don't have any. Exactly. So you deconstructed without constructing anything. No, no, no. I constructed anticipation. Oh, okay. So See? you laid some uh, some groundwork. A little bit as of a carrot say. out there for people okay. to kind of okay. nibble on. And okay, tune in next time, huh? Yep. You put um, the shovel in the ground. <coughs> dug one scoop of dirt. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got it pretty much. Yep. yep, 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 yep. Um, okay. cool. Back into cool, our cool, series. Cool, cool. I got a cough. Get it. <laughs> mm, that's a good cough. Coffee. It's awkward silence while we wait for you. Great radio. <laughs> no, but we are back into the series on the doctrines of the church. Mm-hmm. So first time we talked about like, why do we, why are we talking about the doctrines of the church? What are the doctrines of the church? We talked about ecclesiology, this big uh, academic word for the, the study of the things of the church and how the church is. The ecclesia, the assembly. Ecclesia. Ecclesia. Sorry, Mr. Either one. Yeah. Potato, potato. Potato, potato. (laughs) It's envelope, envelope. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) No, but today we're going to talk a little bit about um, the church and the the new covenant, right? So we believe the church, um, the new covenant and what that looks like. Um, And there's a lot. Again, we're going to reference several things out of uh, Greg Allison's book, Sojourners and Strangers. Yep. yeah. So, Rob, talk to us a little bit about the church and the new covenant. What, like, what's that mean, and how does the nation state of Israel fit into that? <laughs> uh, so I joke, but like we 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 joke, but this, Rob and I are not like dispensationalists, meaning like we don't think God has two groups of people, like the yeah. church, the Christians, and then the nation state of Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, we did an episode a while back with Jimmy Alexander talking Jimbo. about t- Jimbo Slice talking about um, talking about a guy who has some interesting tattoos. Um, <laughs> I've heard that story. Yes, <laughs> um, and uh, talking about what just the basics of dispensationalism. So, having said that, I, I just kind of a little banter there. But we are in the new covenant. Yep, um, not a new dispensation, and we are talking about the covenant between 
the church and Jesus Christ. Yeah, so in, Father. in one of the earlier episodes, mm-hmm. we mentioned that the church has been around since Genesis 3.15, when God promises um, Adam and Eve a people, and um, from that people will come the seed that, from Eve is the seed that will come the people who eventually will come someone to crush the head of the serpent. And we're, we say that, that that's the church, like that is, you could say the church universal or the invisible church, so to speak, all people in all places at all time who are um, God's people, for lack of a better definition. And then- Which in, we have a better definition in the last- we, uh, Series episode. We totally did, and I would pull that up, but I uh, take a minute. So listen to that. But <clears throat> then in Acts two, when uh, people are gathered, God's people are gathered, we see the Holy Spirit come upon people of Pentecost, and so now we see um, a physical gathering of God's people, and this happens regularly on the Lord's Day, and this what we would say is the fulfillment of God's promise in the Old Testament to make a people for himself. And so people who, you were talking about dispensationalism. Mm -hmm. Dispensationalists would say there's still um, some salvific work to be done with the, not only the nation of Israel, but also the land and uh, kind of bringing um, these promises to fulfillment where the other side of with us, whether that's covenant theology, progressive covenantalism, whatever it is, would say, now nah, we would actually say that God has fulfilled those promises in his people, that one is not a Jew based off circumcision or uncircumcision or based off ethnicity, but one's Jew based off circumcision of the heart. And now we, we who are in Christ are in the perfect Jew, Jesus who has fulfilled all of those covenants on our behalf. And so therefore we reap all of the fulfilled promises, all the benefits that God made to national Israel now get attributed to the, those who are in the perfect Israelite, the perfect Jew, Jesus. So the new covenant people. So one of the, one of the things that Allison, Greg Allison argues for at the top 62, and we're in this book, Sojourners and Strangers, right? This Mm -hmm. is, just a tremendous book on the doctrine of the church. Yeah. And um, we'll put a link to it if I remember to do that um, in the show notes. But this book, as as phenomenal as it is, um, we don't agree with everything that's in there. Surprise, surprise. But um, we would recommend, highly recommend picking it up. It is thick. It is an academic book. Yeah. So um, just prepare yourself for that kind of reading. But man, it's really comprehensive. He does a really good job of of sharing different sides. He's very charitable in the way that mm-hmm. he articulates, even with people who um, positions that he doesn't agree with, yeah. which which is always just a wonderful characteristic in writers to be able to yes. to articulate the other position in a way where the other position yeah. would say, "Yes, that's what we believe." Yeah. So um, he does a great job with that. But at the top of page sixty two. Um, he says, specifically, these gatherings may be part of the church in a particular city that assembles regularly together in members' houses. For example, the house of Prisca and Aquila, the house of Nympha, uh, Philemon's house, and Mary's house. These smaller gatherings were called churches, but so were the whole church gatherings. Uh, possibly a reference to the city churches from which these assemblies were distributed. The church of the Thessalonians, or the church of God that is in Corinth. These assemblies constitute solid support for the 
concept of the church as local churches. So he, he's talking there and he's saying that there are, there's evidence in scripture of churches meeting in houses. Mm-hmm. And then there's also phrases in scripture where it says the church in Corinth or the church in Thessalonica. And so he says that what he's advocating for is this idea that um, there can be smaller gatherings mm-hmm. of a one larger church and they can be called churches, and then that larger church, Church of Corinth, can still be called a church. We would disagree. Mm, disagreement with Greg. Yeah, uh, disagreement with Greg with grace. I thought I thought you were going to say disagreement with grace, and I was going to be like, yes, exactly. Then you said Greg. So no grace, just disagreement. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we, we we would disagree with that. Um, but don't let the, don't let that prevent you from getting this book. Mm. But we just want to want to point well, out people could very well disagree with us. We're the minority on that. Yeah, we totally are. So um, then maybe. Maybe a reason why you do want to get the book. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should read the oh, book. Oh, this guy's articulating that. Okay, great. But we just, the only reason we point that out is to say, even though we're pulling a lot from this book, mm-hmm. we don't we don't necessarily say that this is gospel. Like, this is all, At all. all right. Which we talked about that last episode on the mm-hmm. series. Like, what There's is efficiency our, of scripture to our de- source for define the church? Our structure as we, yeah, yep. it's the Bible. But your question, I went on a, a little tangent there. Mm-hmm. Your right. question you was the this church is your in show. the new covenant. Listen, you know what? You you're the assistant producer, assistant co <laughs> co host. I do. I mean, you you're do the junior the, assistant. You're the you're the the intern here on. Some, <laughs> <laughs> that's why you do all the work. I don't know if you connected that yet. But yeah. <laughs> no, but this is your show, Rob. Stop. You, okay. No, it is it actually is. <laughs> so we, you asked what what the relationship between the church and the new covenant is. Yeah. And so that long-winded answer essentially is saying this, that the church is the fulfillment mm. of God's yes. promises to his people in those previous covenants. So there you go. And then we, we have, just real quick, the characteristics of a covenant mm-hmm. um, are fourfold. There's it, the fact that it's unilateral. So it comes from God. God's the one who initiates it. Okay. Um, it is a structured relationship. So... God initiates it, and then he says, okay, this is how I'm going to interact with you guys. Here is the structure. Then there's binding obligations. Do this, and you'll live. Do this, and you'll die. This is what's expected. Here are the consequences if that's not hit. Okay. And then the fourth one is covenantal signs. There's a sign. Yes. Sorry. I was going to jump in and make like a little comment about the the binding obligation, like do this, and you live. Do this, and you die. Because marriage is a covenant. Mm -hmm. Like what if it's like do this, and you live. Do this, and you die. In your marriage covenant. Oh, yeah. That would uh, spice things up a little bit. That huh? would be very interesting. Yeah. Um, there'd be a lot of dead people. Mm. Or. A lot of faithful yep. marriages. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of both. Yeah. Right. <laughs> anyway. But yeah, so that's the, that's the benefit of a covenant relationship, which, again, um, when you kind of zoom back and, and kind of view the importance of this on a macro level, it's God saying, to his people, this is how our relationship is going to work. I love you. I'm pursuing you. I'm redeeming you. This is how it's going to work. And it's the people responding uh, correctly to that. Mm-hmm. And it affects all things. This is what keeps us from saying, yeah, you can you can believe whatever you want about Jesus. Well, no, because Jesus, he's not malleable like that. He's he's eternal. If he was, if he was malleable and he could be whatever we wanted him to be, then there's no way he could institute a covenant with us because mm-hmm. he'd be ever changing. Yeah. This is again back to Christian mysticism. This is why it's important we understand. Like, there's covenant relationships. It's not like, well, your relationship with God is just up for you to define. It's not like he has. He's built it. He's structured it. And so now that we understand what that 
that relationship is or, or that structure, that, that building, if you will, we can now enter into it together. Yep. Yeah. So what kind of covenants were there? So we, we see, mm-hmm. so I'm coming at this from a covenant theology perspective. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to dive deep into that, then just look up covenant theology versus dispensationalism or covenant theology versus new covenant theology or covenant theology, whatever it is. Robert Kane versus Greg Allison. Is no, great, no. Great Greg there. Allison is far smarter than I am. <laughs> so, but I'm, I'm coming at this from a covenant theology perspective. And so we would say that large scale, there are three covenants. So there's the covenant of redemption, mm-hmm. the what what theologians will call the pactum salutis. I love it when you speak Greek and Latin like Latin, that. Latin, yeah. Um, but it's essentially the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit um, agreeing to redeem a people prior to any creation ever happening. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and this doesn't get fulfilled until until the end. And so then from there, Another large one is the covenant of works. And this one has uh, five sub-covenants. And these are the ones that you read about in scripture, the Adamic covenant, the Noahic, the Abrahamic, the Mosaic, the Davidic. And then you have the covenant of grace, which is the new covenant. So one helpful uh, site to check all this stuff out is 1689federalism.com. So if you, if you want to dive deeper into there, they've got some good questions and answers. There's an FAQ page where you can ask some of these things and it, it's really good. Uh, highly recommend the website. But to answer the question, the covenants that were operative before Christ, Allison even gets into this, um, and we're adding a little bit of our own flavor to it, but we would say that the covenant of redemption mm-hmm. was in operation before Christ, and the covenant of works was in operation before Christ. And this, we're going to split the, like, split some hairs here. All right. But when we say in operation before Christ... That is not us saying that they existed before the Son. Mm, so the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have existed eternally. Correct. Co-equal, co-eternal. Exactly. However, we are talking about the person, Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God, but he was a, a person in time and space. Mm-hmm. And so these covenants were prior to Jesus Christ. Yes. They were not prior to the son. Right, right. Okay. Hopefully that is a clear distinction. Prior to Christ's incarnation is Yeah, his oh, incarnation. Yes. That that yeah. is the clearest and easiest way to say it. So yeah. yes. So the covenant of redemption was um operated before that. The covenant of works and the five subcovenants that are under that. So we talked a little bit about the characteristics of a covenant. Mm-hmm. So let's look at those. For the yeah. Adamic, we see God speaking with Adam, even though the word covenant isn't used in those first few chapters of Genesis, it the characteristics of it are still there. Yes. God is establishing a relationship with Adam and he's saying this, do this and live, do this and die. So don't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil and you'll live. If you eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, you'll die. Yeah. And there are binding obligations and then there is a covenantal sign, that tree. And, um, obviously end up seeing that being broken and death coming in. And then we see the Noahic where God makes a covenant with Noah, um, build this ark. And there's a sign of uh, build this ark and live. If you don't build it, you're going to die. And there's a sign of the rainbow. God's promise not to flood the earth again. The Abrahamic um, promised to make you um, as numerous as the sand on the seashore Mm. and stars in the sky. And uh, the sign is circumcision. Yeah. 
this scout was going to mark you off as my covenant people. Mm-hmm. And then there's the mosaic. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to tell you how to interact with me. I'm going to tell you what is expected of my people. Do this and live. Don't do it and die. Yeah. And the sign is the Ten Commandments. Yeah. Um, the law. Rob, and, you're doing a great job, though. There's no notes or anything. Just <laughs> there, there are notes. You see them right yeah, there. Yeah, but you're, they're like laying out all the things that you're listing. You're just oh, saying like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, thank you. That's very sweet of you to say. You must have went to seminary. <laughs> no. It, it, I mean, it. I did, but <laughs> did not. Uh, definitely wasn't one of the smartest ones there by any means. Way to go, Rob. Um, then there's the Davidic. You should be a pastor. Oh, stop. And then there's the Davidic, <laughs> which is um, God es- establishing his kingdom, his kingly rule over his people. Yeah. And the sign is a king on the throne. Mm-hmm. Um, and... All of these things are what we would say under the the large covenant called the covenant of works. Mm-hmm. So remember, there's three yeah. large covenants: covenant of redemption, covenant of works, covenant of grace. Yeah, those five that we just listed are under the covenant of works, the second covenant. And so, mm-hmm. and so, what we're essentially saying is that each of those have a do this and live, do this and die. Right. So there's work being done. Yeah. If you break it, then judgment is going to come upon you. Mm-hmm. The new covenant under the covenant of grace is yes. saying that there is a way for your sin to be removed, not based off of your works, mm-hmm. but based off of the work of another. Yeah. And that's where so Christ Christ comes in. And that is, so those first, the covenant of redemption, covenant of works were prior to Christ. And then when Christ comes, it inaugurates that covenant of grace under the new covenant. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're laying out the, the three covenants and then, you know, um, and we're in the new covenant. The church is in the new covenant era. Uh, we talked before about like when did that begin? When did the church, when did the church begin? What, what, like people were like, yeah, but did that start back, you know, with Israel? Was that did that start after Jesus? Like with his disciples? Did that start after Jesus died? Like when did the church start? Yeah. Um. So it depends who you ask. I'm asking you. If you ask Greg Allison, um, I didn't ask Greg Allison. Well, and and, and he has he has a really strong argument. Um, Do you like it? Do you agree with it? I don't totally agree ah, with it, Greg. But I, I took but a, I took a systematic three class, and it was potentially my favorite class in all yeah. seminary. He is such a good professor, and That's he good. he teaches so well, and um, he knows his material. So when I disagree with him, it's it's very reluctant because because yeah. not only is he just an amazing individual and mm-hmm. a very loving guy, um, he also just really knows his stuff. Yeah. That's so good. very hesitant to disagree with it with Greg Allison. Hey, Greg, um, if you're listening, and I know you are. Yeah, exactly. Your, your former student here is disagreeing with uh, you. But but he says that the church was inaugurated in Acts two, mm-hmm. and and to be fair, he may he may agree with me in that Genesis three fifteen is when the church started as God's people, but it was more so like the invisible church, so to speak. So, um, so I'm gonna pause for a second. Yeah, go, go off ahead. off the notes here. Yep, yep, yep. Um, because we. If you guys know us, we follow the notes oh, faithfully. Yeah. You're saying Greg Allison is saying, or the book is saying, or we'll just say theologians argue that the church was inaugurated, began in Acts 2. Yeah. And you're saying no to that? Yes. So, um, and why? Essentially, so what they're saying, they're defining the church as um, those who are in the. I'm not, I'm not giving a definition in the way necessarily that they would. I'm, I'm trying to as best I can. Yeah. But um, they would say that the church is the visible body of Christ. Mm-hmm. So the the local expression of the body of Christ, mm-hmm. of the living Christ. So you can't have the local expression of the body of the living Christ 
prior to Christ. And so they would say it's in Acts 2, after Christ is resurrected, yeah. we see this body, this people become visible. And we see that at Pentecost. Okay. Where, um, so for instance, uh, on 1689 federalism, we see this question, when did the church begin? Mm -hmm. It says the church began in Genesis 3.15 and the church began at Pentecost. Yeah. <laughs> it says, how can both be true? Because of the visible slash invisible church distinction as it relates to the promised slash established new covenant. Old Testament saints were saved in the same way that we are today through saving faith produced by the regenerating of the indwelling Holy Spirit. They were united to Christ and were therefore part of his mystical body, the church. But it does not therefore follow that Israel was the church or the assembly of Christ. Israel was an assembly, but not the assembly of Christ. Though regenerate Old Testament saints were part of the body of Christ, they were a remnant within the broader body of the assembly of Israel, which was governed by the Old Covenant. Likewise, believers outside of Israel were not under the Old Covenant. For example, Lot and Melchizedek were not circumcised. Remember, that was the mm -hmm. sign of the Abrahamic Covenant. It was not until Pentecost that the invisible church gathered or assembled together as the assembly of Christ, the church. The visible church was instituted at Pentecost and given ordinances of worship and its own government. And then they um, show John Owen with what John Owen has to say about this. So it's a, it, it's a both and mm -hmm. in that you had an assembly of God's yeah, people right. in the old, old covenant of Israel. Right, right. But the assembly of those in Christ mm -hmm, mm -hmm. couldn't happen until after Christ right. came and resurrected. Gotcha. And, and so just tying it back a little bit into our, our conversation that we just dipped into about covenantal versus dispensational yep, yep, yep. theology, dispensational theology, mm -hmm. um, as covenantal people, the, we just see God's people as one group. Beginning yeah. in Genesis 3, God's people all the way. It's So the church did not it functions in the new covenant different than it did in those other covenants. But essentially, these are God's people, whereas dispensationalists would say, and hopefully I'm doing them due justice, that the church was inaugurated in Acts 2, and that is separate. Yes, God's people, but then not to be confused with God's people, the nation of Israel, God's mm -hmm. people. So yep. you see a little bit of the, of the diversion there. Because they would say there are still some promises mm -hmm. that have not yet been fulfilled for right. the national state of Israel. And and we we would just say... So there's two passages that we would turn to. So I have one pulled up. The it's J did you Joshua. Turn to it? I typed to it. Okay. Um, if you want to find the, I think it's Romans nine, where it talks about um, one is not a Jew by circumcision mm -hmm. alone. If you want to find that passage, and then I will read Joshua twenty one forty four through forty five. So to those who say that. Um, not all of the promises have yet been fulfilled in Christ, yes. or not in Christ, for, for the nation of Israel. We would say, Joshua 21, 44 through 45 says this, the Lord gave them, the nation of Israel, rest on every side according to all he had sworn to their ancestors. None of their enemies were able to stand against them, for the Lord handed over all their enemies to them. And here's the key. None of the good promises the Lord made to the house of Israel failed. Everything was fulfilled. Mm. So we'd say it seems like all of the promises that God made to Israel had been fulfilled. 
Did you find that passage I was referring to? I think so. Okay. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but Romans 9, picking it up in verse 6, says, Now it is not as though the word of God has failed, because not all who are descendants from Israel are Israel. Neither are all, are all of Abraham's children his descendants. On the contrary, your offspring will be traced through Isaac. That it is it is not the children by physical descent who are God's children, but the children of of the promise are considered to be the offspring. For this is the statement of the promise. At this time I will come and Sarah will have a son. And not only that, but Rebekah conceived children and through one man, our father Isaac, for through her sons had not been born yet, for though her sons had not been born yet or done anything good or bad, so that God's purpose according to election might stand, not from works, but from the one who calls, she was told, the older will serve the younger. And as it is written, I have loved Jacob and Esau I hated. So yeah. in this passage, we see that the Lord is clearly pointing out, and I probably read further than I needed to, okay. that his the, the descendants, God's people, does not flow from a direct lineage physically, Yeah. right? But it's <clears throat> through a spiritual promise. Yeah, and, and we, we see, just to build off what you're saying, 2 Corinthians one twenty, which says, For all the promises of God find their yes in him, mm -hmm. in Christ. And so all these promises of God, they find their fulfillment mm -hmm. in Christ. And here's what yes. we mean. When God told Abraham, through your seed, I'm going to make a nation more numerous than a people more numerous than the sands on the seashore than the stars in the sky. And then he tells Moses, like, hey, here's how uh, this nation is to operate. What that seed that he promised Abraham, mm -hmm. <clears throat> Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, or Abraham, Isaac, yeah, and Jacob. And then from Jacob, we have the 12 sons. Yeah. And then those are the 12 tribes of Israel. Mm -hmm. And then we have the nation formed of Israel. They're now in Egypt. Mm -hmm. And then Moses leads them out. Okay. So this seed is within this nation. And we see that from the direct physical lineage, we see this in the beginning of Matthew, and I believe it's also in the beginning of Luke where we see the genealogy, where the authors are making the point that Jesus did come from that seed. Mm -hmm. And so Jesus is an Israelite. Jesus, he physically, he's an yes. Israelite. Yeah. Um, he is, he's a Jew. Mm -hmm. And what we see throughout the New Testament is this idea of being brought into the body of Christ. We are adopted into, we are, we have union with mm -hmm. him. So all of these promises that God made for Israel find their fulfillment in Christ. Yes. And so therefore, all of the promises did find their fulfillment in an Israelite, mm -hmm. in the Jews, yeah. the Jew. Right. And anyone who is, has repented of their sin and believed in Jesus as their master, as their savior, as their Lord, as their treasure, they are adopted into him. And mm -hmm. so therefore they are considered a Jew, Yeah, not by physical descent, which is what yeah. you just read, right. but through faith. Yeah, And so that's why we would say there's not a separate salvation plan for the nation of Israel. Mm -hmm. Romans 11 would insinuate that there may be a remnant that is converted later back. on, which Correct. I wouldn't be opposed to that. You, um, you wouldn't? <laughs> I wouldn't be opposed to I wouldn't embracing... necessarily be a fan of it, but, you know. 
it's a good distinction. Um, I would I would probably agree with that. I, would I think that is what the text is saying. A little bit excited. <laughs> yeah, right. We hope and pray that that does happen. Rob's over here. I hope none of those Jews come back. All right. Oh man, not at all. What I was trying to say. Anti-Semite over here from the overflow of the heart, apparently. No, no, that's not what you meant at all. Yeah. But, no, the point is, we hope to see a return, uh, uh, some remnant return to Christ mm-hmm. from the Jewish people. Um, we hope to see that from all kinds of people, but it's a unique thing in that these were the people that God has worked his covenant with and through. Yeah. And so we, we look forward to that. We hope to celebrate that. Um, but that does not mean that they're going to then have like their plot of land and Christ yeah. will come and re- rule that nation. Yep. And, and, you know. Yeah, I mean, eventually, f- fulfill God will bring a a land right. that yes. is exactly I mean the the greatest possible land that his people could have and that's mm-hmm. going to be the new heavens and the new earth when yes. he redeems all of creation. Yeah. And that that promise will be fulfilled there but it's going to be fulfilled in Christ. Right. There you go. All right, so Rob, somewhat quickly, um yeah, we're running long. Talk to me, yeah, talk to me a little bit about just the relationship or the listeners of the church in the kingdom of God. All right. So we see the, the church doing its thing, but we find um, the kingdom of the Lord advancing, and he's been we're doing this, advancing his kingdom from day one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, I'll quickly share this, and then we'll we'll read the five things that, that Greg Allison says, which I agree with. So no, no disagreement <laughs> here, sure? Greg. <laughs> um, but uh, Mr. Greg as, as the people of God, we are called um, to be priest kings. And so Jesus is the ultimate prophet, priest, and king. You could say that we're called to be prophets, priests, and kings as well, where we are now, proclaiming the gospel. Now, for both men and women, or just for the men? <laughs> this is for both men and women. Okay. It, <laughs> you understand that I'm saying that from a complementarian perspective. <laughs> <laughs> so nobody put the stamp of Rob egalitarian on me. Yeah. Um, but essentially saying that as priest kings, we are called to do the priestly work within the kingdom of God of separating the holy from the unholy. This is the sanctification process. This is us saying, okay, this part of my life is not pleasing to God. I need to grow here. I need to separate this and I need to replace it or I need to emphasize more so and dig deeper into the things that are holy. Mm-hmm. So that sanctification process, removing sin and walking in righteousness. So that's the priestly aspect of our calling as those who are now citizens of the kingdom of God. And the uh, kingly aspect is we're still called to to go and push the the territory forward to gain more ground to share the gospel and hope that hope and pray that the holy spirit brings people to jesus and so Mm -hmm. we are asking um people to repent yeah yeah. and to believe and to to claim more territory for the kingdom in which we are citizens so there's that that priest king aspect Mm -hmm. um that we have that helps us understand the relationship between the church where at, when we're followers of Jesus, we are brought into the church mm-hmm. and we're yet also citizens of, of the kingdom of yeah. the kingdom of God. And so we have those two relationships to separate the holy from the unholy and to bring more people in to gain more mm-hmm. ground. Now here are the five things that Allison um, brings up, which are, are great points. He says that the church represents God's universal kingly rule and eternal dominion. And what he's getting at is that when the church gathers, it represents the kingdom of God on earth. Mm, we get a yeah. small picture glimpse of, yeah, small yeah. glimpse of what 
eternity will look like. So we see people with different backgrounds, people with different ethnicities, people with different socioeconomic statuses coming together under the banner of Christ yeah. as those who are forgiven and who are now citizens of the kingdom, coming kingdom of God. And you guys can see that um, in person at Citizens Church if you go to citizenschurch.com. That's right, except <laughs> citizensohio.com's website. Oh, dang it. That was so good. <laughs> right. Then so not, citizensohio.com. Um, and, then, and then Greg Allison also points out that, um, and, he, and he does a good job. He gives the what's called the continuity perspective. That's what he labels it, where mm-hmm. we believe that God's people um, were the people of Israel physically, mm-hmm. and they find their fulfillment in Christ. So anyone who's in Christ is now also the, the people of God. And then um, there's the discontinuity perspective mm-hmm. where it's the people of God are Israel and also Separate. you can have the people of God yeah. that are in Christ. So there's like this discontinuity there. They don't just flow one right into the other. There's a discontinuity where they're, they're both two separate things. Um, he even said that he kind of leans towards that discontinuity perspective. We we would lean towards we the continuity perspective. We're not quite there with you, Doctor Allison. But um, he he like I said earlier, he writes charitably yeah. of those who he may even disagree with, and he says that the, from the continuity perspective, the church is the fulfillment of God's Old Testament people, Israel, marking them as citizens of the kingdom. Uh, number three, mm-hmm. the church belongs to the Son of Man slash Davidic King. So we talked about the Davidic. Covenant, Covenant. Yep. where God promises to have a king on the throne. Jesus fulfills that. He fulfills yes. all of these covenants, but in the way that he fulfills the Davidic one is that he has defeated death yes. and he remains on the throne for all eternity. And so for those of us who are in Christ, who are a part of his church, we belong to this Davidic king um, who reigns on the throne. Then number four, the church represents the inaugurated reality of God's rule. Yet presses toward maturity by advancing the human earthly dimensions of the kingdom, which I already kind of mentioned that priest mm-hmm. king responsibility, yes. but points out that's, you may have heard the the phrase, the already, but not yet. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Yep. There's the, there's this already like, man, there's some amazing things happening here where we can are catching glimpses of the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. but there's also an aspect that that's not yet. Yes. And that we are eager for that not yet to get here so that we can have the fulfillment mm-hmm. of the kingdom of God. And then number five, the church and the kingdom are related as an eschatological reality. Eschatological just means end times. So the church and the kingdom are related as an end times reality, which features the church intensely longing for this angelic, for this angelic announcement. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. Revelation eleven fifteen. Amen. So these are just five simple ways that we do see the Lord, the church, the church and through Christ advancing his kingdom on earth. And we are people who, who you think kingdom, we automatically think borders and territories, physical, tangible. Um, and there's an element where you, you can see the physical, tangible kingdom of Christ. It's in the believers, in the church, the local assembly. Yeah. Um, but helping people to understand, like, when you see someone who is proclaiming the gospel, and you're seeing people respond to, to the message of the good news of Christ, when you're seeing people who have are putting their hope not in, in um, things of the world, but their hope is now put in that Christ will rule and he will bring justice, and when that happens, that's what we call an advancement in the mm-hmm. kingdom. Yep. You see territory in the hearts of man advancing, yep. and that's the Lord— mm-hmm 
it will establish his kingdom and his, his rule forever. It's a good explanation. Yeah. Well, hey, thank you guys for listening. Um, we will, if there's any show notes, will be in the show notes will be tagged in there. Yep. Um, appreciate you guys tuning in. You can always connect with us. Go to our website, simpletheology.org. We're on Instagram at simpletheologypod. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash simpletheology. If you find us on some of the socials via hashtag simpletheologypod, um, we can get emails. We haven't got emails for a little while. Email know. us, please. Just say hi to Rob. Rob needs encouragement. <laughs> um, info at simpletheology.org. Again, you can call and leave a voicemail, which we're still waiting for that. 614-233-1098. Maybe I just Six, get rid of the number. I feel like, one, four, I feel like it's just awkward for people to call in. Maybe not. Yeah. We've, I received, twice. We've, we've received a handful of calls, but definitely not a lot. Do you have a favorite caller? No. Yeah. Well, I remember that time that Dan... Smith called. That's who I was going to say. Um, and he ripped you up for being so yeah, offensive. Me. Yeah. No, that one guy called. It was like super encouraging for me. So I appreciate that, brother. Like I said, that Rob, one guy, what was his name? Rob. Well, I'm not going to share it on the air. We're pen pals. Uh, yeah. No, but anyway, that's the phone number. If you like the pod, if you're enjoying this, please head over to iTunes and uh, graciously give us. An honest or even dishonest five star. <laughs> Just five stars. <laughs> rating and review. So, no, but we appreciate you guys. Appreciate hearing from you. Um, hopefully, the stuff we've been talking about, we're trying to, in the midst of the craziness of 2020, man, what a year. We're trying to talk about current events with COVID and some the racial injustice issues. We're also just trying to point back to just the basics of our faith, and that is Christ is our hope. He's our only hope, and he will set all things right. So be blessed, be encouraged, and until next time. Peace. Peace.